This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Okay, so I really don't know where to start here. Yeah, good luck with this one. Yeah. Here's here's what I think happened. The NFL has developed a habit in recent years of exporting some of its on-air talent to work as preseason sideline interviewers, reporters, whatever, with the various teams. You'll see them pop up in the preseason. People that you know from NFL Network end up working for the teams for the preseason game. So Cynthia Freeland, who I think analytics, I don't know how, I don't want to insult her achievements by improperly mentioning her title, but she's in kind of an analytics type role with NFL Network. So now sideline reporter for the Bills in their preseason games. Bills play the Panthers in the preseason finale. And Cynthia Freeland appearing on the Around the NFL podcast kind of had it drawn out of her. And I, 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 you know, the host who asked her the questions has gotten none of the blame here. I, I think there may be a little unwritten rule that was violated, frankly. I'm not trying to defend anybody. I'm just trying to get people to understand how this works. There's certain things that you hear people say off the record, off air, that you, you know you probably shouldn't get them to repeat on the air without making sure ahead of time that it's okay, that they're comfortable doing it. I say that because she had shared a conversation before they were on the air on this podcast with Baker Mayfield. And long story bearable, she said that Baker Mayfield said he wants to F up the Browns week one when Cleveland goes to Carolina. And it became a thing because – she got blowback. She backpedaled. And it just kind of hovered out there. Right. Until Baker Mayfield met with reporters yesterday and had a chance to address whether he said he wants to F up the Browns. Here he is. Well, first, I didn't say it. Um, obviously, I mean, everybody's going to write whatever story they want. There's history that I played there the last four years. Uh, I'm an extremely competitive person. Uh, everybody knows that. If I wasn't wanting to win, then there would be a, a really big issue uh, of me being the quarterback here. So um, I want to win in everything I do. That's, that'll never change. Now, uh, that is not how I phrased it, and it's not even what I said, so that's, I'll just leave it at that. How did you phrase it, if you don't mind? I, I didn't even say anything. Just said, did you I hope, talk yeah. to her at all? Or? No, I talked to her. I mean, I think she addressed it. She said it. Um, obviously, you guys can go back and look at what she said, um, but... All I did was agree. You know, I hope we win. <laughs> it's pretty plain and simple. Competitive, I want to win. Um, and I don't I don't think that should be uh, harped on. It's obviously a bigger story because I haven't given uh, 
the media what they've wanted me to give them this year in this offseason. So this is what they think that I've said, and it's not. So take it and run with it. But I know what I did, and uh, our team knows what I said. So it's, it's all right. See, that's the bottom line. And this is where showing maturity. the mistake was made. He is showing maturity, but here's where the mistake was made. Yeah. He never said it. She said it to him. Right. So he right. didn't say, I'm going to F up the Browns. She said, go F up the Browns, which is one of the reasons why Browns fans are not happy currently with Cynthia Freeland. But she said it, and he agreed. And that was part of the backpedaling yesterday. There's some videos of uh, – and you know what? At some level, hey, Cynthia, embrace it because you're, you're, you're at the center. You're at the center of the storm. And that typically doesn't happen for analytics experts in the NFL. So enjoy the ride, although I can tell she's tormented by it because she got it wrong. Yeah. She said it, and he agreed. Right. He never said it. He he believes it. That was my big takeaway. I never said I want to f up the Browns. By the way, I want to f up the Browns. Well, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, and and she Cynthia does very good job. I mean, I watch the NFL Network a lot. She she does a great job. But yeah, she tried to paraphrase like something. Yeah, you're right that she said and kind of tried to say he said it's far different than Baker Mayfield going. I I'm 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 going to f the Browns up. Instead of, hey, I, I hope you F the Browns up. Hey, th- thanks. Me too. That's, that's different. Yeah. That's totally different story there. That's not bulletin board material. And Cleveland fans, get used to it. Like 99.9% of the women in America are going to root against you guys this year. They want every male on every team not named Cleveland to kick the crap out of Cleveland. Sorry. Let alone most males want that too. So, you guys, nobody's rooting for you this year. Sorry. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? So, I, you know, but th- that's, you know, Baker handled it the right way. He really did. It's good that he addressed it. Baker's the type of guy, Mike, that I think, like, you know, I know. If he said it, he'd own it. I don't think there's anything about Baker that's like a whole lot of BS. You know, he might have had some bad moments in front of the, the microphone here and there. But even when he did that, he's addressed it. So I don't think he's like a BSer, and you know I'm glad he got it all straightened out, and and glad that Cynthia came forward and and straightened it out for him to a degree. That was that was good of her to do that. Well, it would have been better if she hadn't in the first place. Yes, I know the impression right. that he said it right. when he didn't say it. And again, Dan Hansis is the one who has escaped any scrutiny for this. He's the one that drew it out of her when she clearly didn't want to talk about it, and and there there is a certain etiquette. That is at play here. There's pl- Chris and I were talking about this earlier. There's plenty of stuff that he has said that I just instinctively know. I'm not going to get him to say that again on the air. Right. He's not going to want to tell that story on the air. He's not going to want to share that opinion on the air. And I'm not going to go, hey, you were, t- hey, Chris, how about that thing you were telling me last night? You know, no, you you have to you have to be yeah. more respectful right. of your colleagues that way and. And so, I, again, I don't think Cynthia Freeland should get all the blame here. And to the extent, look, the easy reaction is to tell people to stay in their lane, that she's not a reporter, she's a math person, stay in your lane. I don't like that general broad brush stay in your lane. Yeah. I think the better, the better point is if you're going to exit your lane, you better drive as well in the other lane as you do in your normal lane, or you're not going to be in that other lane for very long. Yeah, I think that's that's the point. You're right. You know, I mean, yeah. Again, I don't like that either when people just say stay in your lane because the people that always say stay in your lane, they're they're always in every other every other lane too. And I want to go, oh, okay, but it's okay for you. 
So, yeah, I'm with you. She made a mistake. They don't want you in their lane. They, it's not stay yeah, in your lane. Right. It's I'd, I would rather you not be in my yeah, lane. That, it's, the, it's the jerk driver who's in the fast lane. The jerk driver in the fast lane who's going uh, 53 in a 65. And you're going, wait, I want to go. And so now I'm going to go around it. And they speed up to not let you in. That's, that's what that is right there. It's like that jerk driver. I want to go, you're not even I mean, in you're, a rush. You're you just don't it, want anybody else to go. <laughs> you're making it very literal. I'm talking about how it's used in our business. I know. People I know. who are in that other lane I was and making, don't want anyone else in that lane right. because it threatens their status in that lane. No, I That's know. That's why I know. we hear stay in your lane all the time because right. they'd rather keep people pigeonholed where they're not a threat to them. Anyway, yeah, anyway, I got literal because I had that. a few guys driving like that today on the day way to oh, work. I'm where sure I'm going. you were flashing your big giant ET I'm, middle finger at him too. Uh, I'm I'm being better in that department. It's something I've tried yeah, to work on. Yeah, you may get on. shot. <laughs> well, maybe yes. I'm, and it's not funny. Yeah, it's you're true. right. You're right. Well, I'm just trying to be you know more calm for my family when I when I drive. So that, yes, but yeah, there's always people like that. It's annoying. So go ahead. Sorry. See. That, that's what happens when you detox for a month. You're no longer calm. Um, well, one last point, too. Miles Garrett, the Browns defensive end, who uh, <laughs> you don't want to get him upset. We know that. Mason Rudolph knows that. Uh, he said, we'll take it and we'll use it. Hey, and again, as you said, good luck, because everybody is going to be against the Browns this year. Joel Batonio made that comment a few weeks ago that he tried to walk back very clumsily. Cleveland against the world this year. It is, because the world is against Cleveland this year no because of Deshaun Watson. Right. Plain and simple, Chris. Right. No doubt about it. There's just, I don't know too many people that uh, that are not from Cleveland that are going, oh, yeah, I like the Browns and I like what they're doing. I mean, it, they are definitely the enemy of the state right now in the NFL, and they're going to be booed, and, uh, yeah, people are going to rag on them all year long. Another topic that had a little more meat on the bone yesterday, the dynamic we've seen this preseason, and this isn't new. It just so happened that there was an injury suffered by Kayvon Thibodeau by this technique, and T.J. Watt escaped a serious injury on Sunday when T.J. Hawkinson applied a legal cut block in the tackle box. Here it is from the preseason finale. T.J. Watt trying to get toward the ball carrier. T.J. Hawkinson taking him out, helping him up. You could tell he's like, you know, hey, man, this is, I mean, this is what they tell me to do. If I don't do this, I got to hear it from, I got to hear it from Dan Campbell. This is how they draw the play up. Now, Chris, we talked about it when Thaddeus Moss did it. You could go in a little bit higher and not take out the knee. That's the one criticism that brings into question whether it's clean. We know it's legal. The question is, is it clean? We'll talk about it in a minute. Here's T.J. Watt from yesterday speaking to reporters and and really shedding some light on the problem that the defensive player in that situation faces. Here he is. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those plays where it's, it's a completely legal play. I obviously don't have much to say about it. it um, there was a few words exchanged. It was just like, sorry, I had to do that, something like that. And I was just, didn't really have any words to say back to him or frustration or anything, but... Um, it, those blocks are always tough to deal with. Like I said, it is a legal block, so I can't be too upset. Um, but it's also one of those things where I honestly don't know what I can do differently in that situation. I mean, I, I see him in the wide-off position coming across. Um, we make eye contact. I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I get ready for the to make contact. And at the last second, when I don't go to duck my head, um, he obviously goes low. But 
Um, like I said, obviously it's being talked because it's a legal move, so I don't really have any grudge against it. I just have to figure out how to handle it better. Should it be, should it be a legal move? I don't know. I mean, I don't really want to get in the weeds and all the what should and shouldn't be legal in football, but uh, like I said, I just have to find a way to be better in that situation to protect myself. It really is a tough spot because if you choose to hurdle and the guy doesn't go low, there's a huge then gap. you're taking a yeah, and 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 you're possibly taking a face mask no, to the yeah uh, sensitive area that you're trying to who knows over right with. So you, you got to make that decision, and the reality is the the cut block is still legal there. We've talked about this before. It goes back to the notion that has been part of football forever that. The block below the waist is the way that the big guy is taken down by the little guy. And it's been part of football forever. I remember back in the 70s when they first eliminated it on kick returns, blocking below the waist. I remember being very confused as a young football fan, like, what, what, wait a minute, what, what, what's, the, what, what's the problem here? And it's amazing to think that back in the 70s, the Wild West of the NFL, that they actually cared enough about the health and safety of the players to eliminate that technique on kick returns. But we have seen it now in recent years, especially after the sensitivity to head injuries. You had a lot of outcry from players. Hey, you got to worry about our legs too. If we're worried about the health and safety of the players, let's restrict the areas where we can do these techniques where defensive players get blown up, either when they're not looking, the blindside block in many respects is gone, and the, the below the block or the below the waist, excuse me, block. This is one of the only areas where you can still do it. Is in the tackle box. Yeah, right, so well, you know, maybe they just need to get rid of it. I, I, I think they do. I think they got to get rid of it. I, I don't think it's really necessary. First off, T.J. Hawkinson can make that block just going, hitting him with his right shoulder. His, can we show the play again, uh, guys uh, in the back? Uh, have your head on the inside there, and you're gonna have to man up and block him. Sorry, I don't like it. And like when I grew up in high school. And like this stuff this didn't go on a whole lot. This wasn't this is like it was against the rules to go and down go down and do that. It is kind of like one of those things where you know I don't love about the game. It needs to change. Pass rushers are arguably other than wide receiver and quarterback the next biggest stars in our sport. What are you supposed to do? It can be a career ending career, you know, uh, career just turning your career in a different direction type of injury if he does tear his ACL and MCL. and That would be career-altering. Career, thank you. I, that was the word I was looking for. I would have helped you, but I couldn't think of it either. I, yeah, good. Thank you. And, you know, Mike, I know I, your point. I, I get that point about this is how the smaller guy – but, you know, at some point I just go, well, this is football. And so what are they going to do for the big guy that has to deal with the fast guy? Are they going to make a rule to slow him down? Because it's not fair to the big guy that he's not as fast as the smaller fast guy. So maybe they Get should. Get him with a helmet. Well, maybe they should do something to make him run slower to even it out. No, then no. No. Hey, smaller guy, sorry, you're smaller. Deal with it. Use your speed. Figure out a new way. I don't know. But going down at the knees and all that, I think that's got to end. I think they got to stop that. I don't like this right there, and, and that would be my two cents about it. And, and, and let's look at this pragmatically. Yeah. Because in the tackle box, are you really going to have a five foot seven inch receiver exactly trying to right take there. out a pass rusher? Exactly right. If you are, you're just, a dumb coach. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it reminds me of one of my favorite NFL highlights of all time. 
when and and we've talked about it in the past because you know you draw up the X's and O's and it looks good until you have to actually do it. There was a Thursday night game in the '90s where Chris Carter was trying to block Reggie White. Yeah, we, yeah, we've right. had fun with him before right. because Reggie White picks Chris Carter up and throws him into the legs of Warren Moon. Right, just picks him up and throws him. So if you're going to draw up that play, why not have T.J. Hawkinson? You know where he's going. You know who's going to be coming off that edge. It just just hit him high. Yeah. There's no reason to roll into his leg. Right. Or just, you know, in the midsection. You could put your shoulder right here in his hip. But, you know, there is a spot there where you get down to it and you go, it's just it's not fair for the defensive player. What is he supposed to do? The defensive players are so screwed over in this day and age in the NFL as it is. And now we're putting them in a little bit of a dangerous way here. And you know, again, in like little league football and sports like that, that this doesn't you're not allowed to do this stuff. And I grew up in little league football and I'm pretty sure in high school, but even if it wasn't legal in high school, nobody ever talked about it. In Jersey, we were a bunch of meatheads. They were like, What? You're going low, you freaking wimp. You better put your head right in his chest next time. You know, so I again there's I don't think it becomes more of a thing actually at the NFL level. Because, yeah, coaches coach it that way. There is some freaky players in certain positions where they're like, oh, it's going to be tough to block them. But, again, I think you've got to protect the stars here, protect the players in general. And I don't – yeah, I don't like it. I think the NFL has got to make an adjustment here. I think I've told this story before, but during my own very limited football playing career, playing defensive line because I was kind of a large lad back in the day, we played a team one time where the guards were tiny little guys. And – the tackle actually would throw the guard into the legs of the defensive lineman to knock them down after the snap. That was, and we didn't know what to do. We're getting knocked down because the tackle is actually helping throw the guard into our legs to knock us down. I'm serious. That happened. That's not just a riff on one of the questions we got for today that we're not going to use later. That actually happened. Now, here's my question. Yeah. Why, why are you doing this in the preseason? Is this some weird sort of way for Dan Campbell to make pass rushers afraid of what they may face and they know they're going to have this dilemma on running plays and, and maybe they're going to get their legs taken out and maybe they are going to get a torn ACL, so maybe they're going to have a little less steam coming off the edge? Well, there is part of that. Play it's, than it's they otherwise about, would? Is yeah. that what this is? It's a, I think that is part of it. One, it's, hey, get your job done, and the best way to get it done against a guy like T.J. Watt is just go low because that cancels them out a little bit. And, yes, it slows down players like that from just going crazy after the quarterback all the time. You know, it makes them think a little bit. But, you know, I, and I, it's, I don't think it's a Dan Campbell problem. I think it's something that a lot of teams in football coach. This is what they do. And, uh, yeah, I think there's got to be an adjustment here to protect the pass rushers, find a new way. Yep. And, and again, TJ Hawkinson, what is TJ Hawkinson? 6'5", 250? He's the same size as TJ Watt. It's, it's not a difference there. TJ Watt's probably 10 pounds bigger. You know, th there's no need for that right there at all. And I, he can get the block done by coming across, having his head on this side, TJ Watt's here, and okay, it's time to buck up, Bart. You're going to have to hold hold your ground. And if you can, then they can't. They shouldn't put you there. And they got to get a blocking tight end more that's more equipped to do it. Uh, that would be my two cents. But I'd like to see a little protection for the defensive players in this area, especially the pass rushers, who and a lot of teams are the second highest paid guy on the team, other than the quarterback. Well, and T.J. Watt. 
He's the highest. highest paid, if not still the highest paid defensive player in all of football. Right. I, I like what you said, though, what it does. And we, we heard T.J. Watt explain the dilemma he's now dealing with, the uncertainty he's dealing with. What am I going to do in these situations? That may just take off enough yes. to, to keep him from getting into the backfield. If he's thinking about that, and I think he will resolve it to say, I just ultimately can't worry about it. I can't worry about it. I can't have this in my head. But but it is a little bit of a message to pass rushers that the Lions may be facing, and it's a message to Watt generally, and maybe the other teams in the AFC North are going to be happy about this. He needs to, he needs to have a plan, and he needs to be careful because you can't just go 100% all the time. Because in the tackle box, somebody's going to dive at your knees and there's nothing you can do about it unless the NFL changes the rule. And I think we agree completely on this. Yeah. They need to just change that rule. Yeah. There's no right. reason in the tackle box for someone to dive at someone's knees to make a block. They're big enough and they're strong enough to throw a conventional block that is at or above the waist. Exactly um, right. All right. Yeah. Well, we've, we've solved one of the NFL's problems today. If they'll on our tab. be inclined to listen to us and actually do what needs to be done proactively, not reactively, although it is kind of reactively if they would do it now. The Eagles reacted to the fact that they had a bad decision at receiver in round one of the 2020 draft by just a day after talking up Jalen Rieger, sending him to another team. We'll talk about that when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. You go to the receiver at 22, or you get a corner at 25. What corner is going to be? I know if, if we can move back at 25, we're going to get one of these corners. You think? Yeah, the corners are sitting there. He's going to take a receiver too, right? Meanwhile, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. You thought they might go wide receiver. We've seen some wide receivers go off the board. It certainly seems like this would be a need that they need to fill. All right, pick is in. We're on the clock. Jalen Rieger, wide receiver, TCU to the Eagles. Let's go get him. Hey, Pat. I'm on it. Nice. Get Justin Jefferson on the clock right now. I'm on it. Wow. Gary, you love this kid? Yeah, I do, Coach. Love him. He's well-versed in our offense already, Coach. He can play a lot of places. Very competitive. I mean, uh, yeah, this is really cool. Good. We're picking right now. We'll take a receiver. How about that? Woo! All right. Rick, I got Justin Jefferson, receiver, Louisiana State. Hey, that's a great get. That's what makes this stuff fun. Like when Sim calls a double-A gap blitz in the, the second quarterback. You know, we've got, a couple, we've got another pick coming up in about three things now. Yeah, I know. I'm fine. I got the receiver. We don't need any defensive guys. No, I'm used to it. <laughs> you could probably play corner, too. Yeah, you can play corner, too, Zim. Oh, that's a trip not that far down memory lane with a lot of former Vikings employees who laid the foundation for one of the best players in the NFL right now, Justin Jefferson, being on the roster, even though everyone involved in acquiring him is gone. That said, that clip is relevant because the guy taken just before Justin Jefferson, Eagles receiver Jalen Rieger, now a member 
of the Minnesota Vikings traded from Philadelphia to Minnesota yesterday, a day after Rieger landed on the 53-man roster, and both Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni, the GM and coach, respectively, the Eagles, praised Rieger's efforts during training camp and preseason, and this is why here he's still got that explosion, et cetera. They end up trading him for uh, not too much at the end of the day. Uh, a seventh-round pick and a conditional fourth-round pick that may become a fifth-round pick farther out into the future. Chris, I, I don't know what Rieger has. He's still a work in progress. He's only got two years in the NFL. Wouldn't it be something if if the Vikings turned this guy into a player? It would be. He's, you know, I think this is one that it was good for a new start for both sides there. If it was just controversial, I don't think most people in football thought he was really a first-round pick. Certainly didn't think he was better than some of the receivers he went in front of. That's for sure. You know, and and I think a little bit of a yeah, a guy that for some reason the Eagles fell in love with. His 40 time was better than I think what his football film showed and somebody in that organization fell in love with him. There's no doubt. And yeah, they 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 were wrong with that one. They've made a lot of great moves the Eagles. I mean, they have. Um but I think this is good for Jalen Rieger too. He gets the, you know, off the the pressure cooker there in Philadelphia. He's not the guy I mean, he was barely going to be the fourth guy, it sounds like. So uh, this is good. And the Vikings, your team, they needed another guy to round out the roster and, and take a little pressure off of the, the two main guys in Thielen and Jefferson at times. Well, they lost B.C. Johnson for That's the year right. with yeah. a torn ACL that was suffered against the Broncos over the weekend in the preseason finale. So they did have a need farther down the depth chart. And I think the depth chart is going to go Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, K.J. K. Osborne, Osborne right. and Jalen Rieger. Yeah. I think I think that's how it's going to go, and and you know, part of the reality when you fall too far down on a depth chart, you're expected to be a very extensive member of the special teams, and some receivers are, and some receivers aren't. It's one of the reasons why Tyler Johnson is out in Tampa Bay. He's the bottom of the roster guy that wasn't contributing on special teams, so out you go. So the Eagles at least get value for Jalen Rieger, and they also unload the balance of his guaranteed salary this year and next year, although the yeah. Eagles, the Eagles, excuse making, me. No, Eagles no, you said on. it. They're making moves. That's all yeah. I was saying. You said the Eagles. You were oh, okay. right. I'm just that yesterday, getting a few more assets. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, one of the better nickel safety guys at all of football the day before from the New Orleans Saints, who's a really good player. I got to think the Saints didn't want to get rid of him, but it's a contract year, and they probably went, man, we're not going to be able to pay him, so let's do something now. I mean, the Eagles continue to push the chips in the middle of the table and say, we're coming, NFL, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they bring to the table next week. All right, so let's do in the NFC North the thing that we did yesterday for the NFC West. Let's, let's agree or not on how the four teams are going to finish from fourth to first, Chris, I'll ask you to give me your fourth place team in the NFC North. Uh, my fourth place team here, I think I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears. You know, it, I, this is I could see you know two, three, and four being very close and and actual win loss there, where it's very jumbled up. I think we all know who's going to be number one, but I will go with the Bears. You know, first off, Chicago, as we've discussed a lot, I don't know if there's a ton of, like, big-time blue-chip players on either side of the ball. I really like what, what Justin Fields looks like. I mean, he is really great decisions, great throws, unreal athlete. 
You know, I was even a little, you know, uh, critical of these two throws right here. But, man, he made a lot of other great throws throughout the preseason where, you know, I I, I, I evaluate it for what it is. I, I'm backing off that for sure. He's looked damn good. But I look at it and go, to me, the schedule, as we always talk about, the first two games, they're not going to be the better team on the field. They're not going to be better than San Francisco and Green Bay. They're going to be 0-2, or at least I think they will be. Now, what can they do in that 3-4-5 period there, even 6? Can they come out of that and win a few or whatever and, you know, have a little jump-off point where they can be 3-2, and two, maybe 4-2, and two, whatever? I think that might just dictate their whole season right there because, you know— after that, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be better than the Patriots, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, some of those teams there. So it's a favorable schedule, but I just don't think they're overly talented to necessarily win all the 50-50 games that they have on their schedule. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. This Bears team, I thought it was very telling yesterday when they picked up six guys on waivers. Six guys who were cut exactly. by other teams a lot. were welcome to the Bears, right. which means more than 10% of the guys who made their 53-man roster had to be removed from that roster after only one day to create space for six strangers to the organization that they pounced upon once other teams cut them. That is not a good sign for where the Bears roster currently is, and that reinforces my belief and agreement with you that they will be the fourth-place team. Now... Now, this is where it gets interesting. Are you sufficiently smitten with Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions to make them higher than third place, Chris? Who do you have at the three spot? I'm going with it this year. Oh wow! I'm going with it this year. You know, there's just some things about the Vikings. I know their offense can be explosive and potent. I know that. I guess there's a part of me that goes, I'd like to see it to believe it again. Kevin O'Connell. You know, defensive coordinator, uh, uh, these are first-time play callers for for the Minnesota Vikings. These are guys that are I believe in as far as their potential as we go forward, all right? But at the same time, I I, I guess I want to see it first. I do. And Ed Donatell, I might be wrong. He might have called plays before. No, he's he's done it before. He has. I was wrong about that. Not very well. I was getting confused with somebody else at first. But either way, yeah, I got to see it a little bit. It's a transition to a new scheme on the defensive side of the ball. All right. Kevin O'Connell, it is his first time really going to have to come up with the game plan and do it all and, and be that guy and then call the plays on Sunday. So that, that aspect of it. And then I think the other thing, Mike, that I just look at with the Vikings is, you know, I don't think you're going to get off to a good start there in Minnesota. I could see two and four for sure. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I don't know about the defense. I think the talent on the defense is it's questionable to me. The linebackers are good. Harrison Smith is still solid. I'm not writing home about the corners or anything. Not not right now. You know, Daniel Hunter, what's the status of him? I know you got Zadarius Smith, but he missed all last year because of back and everything else. So I guess I have questions about that. So, yeah, I, I'm believing in, in the Lions a little bit more than – than the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. Yeah. Stunning. I'm putting the Lions in third place. They got a lot to prove to me before they will ascend out of the lower reaches of the NFC North. There are some encouraging signs there, but I'm still not a Jared Goff believer, and I think Goff is going to keep them from making an assault on the top of the division, although I think they are moving in the right direction. The question is, will ownership give this current regime enough time to really get to where they're trying to be. They could be 
a very dangerous force for years to come. And there's going to be a vacuum at the top of the conference, not the conference, but the division when Aaron Rodgers finally does leave, unless the Packers have something more in Jordan Love than we thought they've done so far. They've been talking him up a lot, but there's going to be an opportunity for the Lions whenever Aaron Rodgers is gone. For now, I'll put them in third. So I'm assuming you're putting the Lions in second. I am. I am putting the Lions in second. I, I just, you know, again, I like what I see in hard knocks. The one thing I, t- I think about the Lions, I look at their offense and defense line and go, there's no team in football that's just going to outclass them up front on either side of the ball. You know, their offensive line is, is one of the better ones in football. Their defensive line had size and physicality, and now they got a pass rusher who's a difference maker there. They need Jeff Okuda to come through at, on defensive back, number three pick, and be able to depend on him a little bit. But, yeah, I guess I'm just playing hunch a little – you know, how close they were last year. How many games were they actually outplayed teams and then didn't win the football game? And then I think just the questions in Minnesota a little bit scare me. So I guess that's where I go. I'm going with Detroit. You know, I do look at their schedule and go, weeks two, three, and four are crucial. You know, there's games where Commanders, Vikings, Seahawks, where they're not going to be outclassed. Can they win those games? And can we get out to week, you know, five against the Patriots and beat two and two? All right, then they go a tough stretch, but then you look at, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and again, I know we got to play these games, but I think we can all agree right now that the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Jets, the Panthers, the Bears, none of them, nobody's going Super Bowl potential there. You know, there might be one or two teams where we go, oh, there's some talent and they got potential maybe to make the playoffs. So, you know, again, I think I could see this division two, three, and four, everybody being. You know, seven and ten, or or six and eleven, right in that range. And I'm just going to go with the Lions. You know, edging the other guys out and, and being the second place team this year. You know, from time to time, someone will ask me if I have a bias or an agenda, and my bias and agenda at all times is to be right, especially when it comes to prognostication. I will pick against my boyhood rooting interests all the time. You do. I think it will allow me to be right. I say that because I'm putting the Packers at number two. Whoa. Which by process of elimination means you're going to be blowing that that, that, that horn all year long, baby. Wow. Because I think, very simple, very simple. The offense, the coaching staff offensively. Yeah, it's potential. Was substandard. Yeah, okay, yeah. In the past. Right, right. So, Think of how good they've been offensively with a head coach who completely ran the defense, ignored the offense, and was such a pain in the ass for the offensive coaches to deal with that the coordinators left every other year. They couldn't take Mike Zimmer. Sorry, Mike, I'm busy today. Wait till the weekend if you're going to call me or text me your disagreement with what I just said. But he was too big of a pain in the ass. And the offensive coordinators either quit or got fired or just had to get the hell out of there. Now you've got a guy who's the head coach who is the offensive coordinator. You're going to have stability. You're going to have creativity. You're going to have maximizing the talents of Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and everyone else. Maybe you'll have some plays designed so Kirk Cousins gets rid of the football before the walls close in and he can't do anything. And then the defense, well, the defense is question marks. But you know what? Can't be much worse than it's been the past two years. No, I hear, I hear you. And you can line up excuse after excuse. I don't like that. Every team that fails to make the playoffs can give you a long list of excuses as to why they didn't. 
well, this happened in week two, and this happened in week three, and this happened in week four. Yeah, that's why you lost games. You, lost, you, you lose games because stuff happens to you that you can't overcome. It happens to other teams, and they overcome it. So spare me that. I, I think the talent's there. I think the talent's <laughs> there. And even though, even though I was a Jim Harbaugh advocate, I'm not running away from it now. I, I thought they should have hired Jim Harbaugh. I think I'm choosing to think glass half full, and this is my objective assessment. I think they can win the division. I got. I mean, you're making me do it today. I'm putting the Packers at two. The Devontae Adams departure is not being regarded with nearly enough alarm, I think, as it should. We're hearing Aaron Rodgers talk about these young guys not stepping up. I mean, they're basically telling us they expect to struggle. I know you think the defense is going to be a lot better. Yeah. I think that I think the Vikings are going to win the division. Wow! All right, that's, that's I hear you, and I'm saying that because I want to be right. I'm not trying to speak. I know you're not. Distance. I want to be right. I think you got purple haze in your brain or something there. That's what I think. Okay, but yeah, I I, I hear maybe you. that's the strain I should get for my Crohn. Maybe you should. That would make sense. That would be cool. That would be cool. And then you could put on your big Minnesota light thing you got in the barn, and you just you know drift off into a a life of imagination. But. Um, yeah, I you know I, I just at the end of the day I I hear what you're saying. I just there's a little too many ifs and oohs and whats and oohs with Minnesota, and again Green Bay the receiver thing is concerning, but it still is Aaron Rodgers and a damn good coach and Matt Lafleur, a pretty damn good running game, and you know I do think the defense has a chance to be super dominant. So. I don't think it's going to be as sexy as it's looked in Green Bay, that's for sure. But I'm certainly going to go with them as the number one team in the division. I don't think this is like a year, though, where they're 13-4. and four. I don't. I think this is a year where they're the third or fourth place team in the NFC as far as that's concerned. I don't. I just I can feel like, you know, there's it's hard to climb to that mountain every year. And like you said, with the receivers not being there, and the defense, yeah, we see it, but there's some young guys that got to come through there too. So uh, I think they win the division, but I don't think they're going to be like the number one seed or the number two seed when all said and done. I know we're going to take a break, but we've talked in the past how that's good for them because if you're not the one seed, if you're farther down on the playoff order, you maybe have a little less of that. Yeah, pressure. We have to be careful. Right. We've got too much to lose. Yeah. When they play with nothing to lose, maybe Aaron Rodgers lets it rip. I, I agree with that. It does seem like that. they won the Super Bowl 12 years ago. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Well, we got a mailbag today. We're going to answer some of the best questions when PFT Live continues right after this. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be transparent about it. Look, we, we were fortunate enough, thanks to our partnership with NBC and the overall success of the website, we have a house that has a, a big safe in it. And it's a walk-in safe. It's a great place to go if, like, the stuff would ever hit the fan, fireproof, right? It's a nice room. So you have a we safe room. To, like a safe room. Not only for all it's your piles of cash where, you know, you apparently can hide money, you can hide yourself, but, too, just in case. 
Oh boy, we're going to hear from Disney now. I'm not paying that check. I would need all that cash and more to placate the folks at the Mickey Mouse Club. Um, I, I received plenty of emails yesterday from people, and one of the concerns was, is there a supply of air oh, in the safe? I love it. And it was about 50-50 of folks hoping that there was yeah, right. and folks hoping that there wasn't. <laughs> yeah, is there is a supply of air? What's what's what's, it? what's going on? You got you got air in there? You got an air conditioning? Yeah, there's bed? air. There's air. All right, it's, good. It's fine. All right. All right. All right. Uh, mailbag time. L.A. Rams 76. How short of a leash will Trey Lance be on for the 49ers? Could he be pulled as soon as week four? Your thoughts, Chris? I don't think it's going to be a short leash. I don't. You know, it, it, I'll say this. Like, if they get to week four, right, and they got a pretty they're, – they're better than the first three teams on their schedule. I got no problem saying that. But if they get to through week four and they're three and one and – Trey Lance isn't playing very good football. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, let's yank him out of there and get. They're going to they're going to go. They know there's going to be some growing pains here and some things they got to deal with. I I don't feel like it's a short leash necessarily, just dependent on his play. I think it's one of those where he's going to have to play not very good, and then they're also going to have to be losing games in the process. Like if we get to week five and it's like, whoa, they're one and three or they're two and two. Then I think we're going to get into a game where if they don't beat the Panthers today and Trey Lance doesn't play good, uh, when we go to Atlanta in week six, we got to go with Jimmy Garoppolo and get him ready for the Chiefs-Rams stretch that we got coming in the middle of the schedule that's brutal. So, I don't know. That's the way I see it, Mike. How about you? I agree with you. And I look at that schedule, and this bolsters my thought from yesterday that they finished first in the division. I think they're 6-2 and two or 7-1 and one at the bye. Very easily that can schedule. be. That's right. As long as he doesn't crap down his leg or the bed, I, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm with but you. But then you've got Jimmy Garoppolo I if know. he does. Right, right. But I would think I, – I look at it too. That's where I think the 49ers, you know, d- no matter what the quarterback play is to a degree, I'm kind of with you that they're going to be, you know, a one or a two seed this year in the NFC. That's just is how I see it. I think Shanahan can cover some of those holes that Lance might, you know, provide in his game early on. I'll say this though. If they're anything other than two and oh coming out of those first two games, because they should win those first two games. Right. They should win them fairly easily, given where the Bears and Seahawks currently are. If they're one and one or God forbid for them oh and two after the first two weeks, I think that Sunday night game at Denver. Oh yeah. Shanahan is hot homecoming seat time. Game. Right. Hot seats, hot spot for Trey Lance, where where Kyle Shanahan could just decide I've had enough. Yeah. Jimmy, go do your thing. Go do your thing. You've beaten Russell Wilson before. Go beat him now. So I'm actually watching week three if they falter in either of the first two games. I Lance is going to have the opportunity to run with it, right. but I don't think Kyle's going to mess around. John Kasich, who is the first week one quarterback to get benched for reasons other than injury this season? Ooh. I know who I think. I think we agree on this one. Who? Tell me. I don't who think you- this one's all that hard. Who are you Gino thinking Smith. of? Geno yeah. Smith. Right. They're basically begging Drew Locke to still take the job now. The competition continues. Pete Carroll has made that clear. And we've had both Pete Carroll and John Schneider, the GM, say Drew Locke just ran out of time. Well, once he has a little more time, he's going to take it. And I really do believe that – we talked about this yesterday. I think – that they just believe they have a better chance of beating Russell Wilson out of the gates with Geno Smith, and if they were playing anybody else to start the season, maybe it would be Drew Locke. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at Week One and going, yeah, I don't think there's really another answer other than that really to be had. I, I don't even think there's one that's actually even close. 
You know, I, I can't imagine if the Steelers go with Mitchell Trubisky that it'll be, okay, one week it wasn't good and we're going to pull you for Kenny Pickett. I think it'll be a little longer than that. So, yeah, I, I, or no, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong, wrong week here. When they play Cincinnati, I should say. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think that if I had to pick one, that's definitely the one to pick right now. Um, next question, a red zone, UK, our good friend, Tom from the UK, can Cliff Kingsbury survive another nosedive ending to the season? We've got that cliff can't finish graphic that shows every year back to his first season as head coach at Texas tech. The season starts good to great ends up bad to worse. There it is. Cliff can't finish. Um, look, I think that I, here, here, here's what's amazing to me. We know he got a new contract. We have no idea what the terms are. We have, we've heard nothing about yeah. the money. We don't know anything about the guarantees. Would they construct a contract that would give them the flexibility to pull the plug on Cliff Kingsbury after this season? I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, th- there were the reports that Michael Bidwell, the owner of the team, was pissed off. And why shouldn't it be? They started the season great, and they fell apart again. Yeah. If they fall apart again, I think that's one of the reasons why they're doing the in-season hard knocks. A little extra pressure. Let's get this done. And let's see what these guys can do. And if they would have a repeat of what we saw last year, I think he could be in trouble, Chris. I'm with you. I, I think it's. I think it could be big trouble. No, no question. I mean, yeah, falling apart. You know, every year at the end of the season, not even being in competitive, in competitive game in the playoffs. I mean, just absolutely steamrolled. Where at no point in that game did we go, oh, Arizona's got a chance, or Arizona looks good. I mean, they were totally outclassed. So I, I'm with you in the fact that. If they fall apart, don't make the playoffs. And honestly, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. If I'm just, I've already put myself out there on the podcast, so I got no problem saying I think they've, they've lost no DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not ready to just go in all in and go, well, because they got Rondale Moore and Marquise Hollywood-Brown, things are going to change. I'm not ready to do that. You know, losing a Chase Edmonds is a big deal. He's explosive. You know, Jordan Hicks on the defensive side of the ball, right? Chandler Jones. Uh, uh, Jordan Phillips on the on the on the interior part of the defensive line. There's questions at corner. I know I love Buda Baker and Byron Murphy, but other than that, there's not much else in the secondary. You need three or four other good guys. I just I don't see it. So they're a team I kind of expect to kind of fall off just a little bit this year. One more question from Gong Show West One, not to be confused with Gong Show West. Two, if Jacoby Brissett is able to lead the Browns to eight or nine wins during Deshaun Watson's suspension, are the Browns going to bench Brissett when Watson is able to play? First of all, there's no way in hell the Browns are winning eight or nine of the 11 games Deshaun Watson will miss. So this is an exercise in futility. If they somehow would, they're going to have a problem. They're going to have a question. But, you know, Chris, this is like the Baker Mayfield dynamic. They've surrendered the reins to Deshaun Watson. He's going to fully expect to play when he comes back. I don't care if they're 11-0. and 0, He's going to expect to play. I, I mean, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting debate. What do they want to do? I could see them getting off to a decent start. Again, you look at their schedule. I go, well, the, the first four teams, are not, they're not going to be outclassed. But you get to weeks five, six, seven, eight. You know, I know they got the bye week, and then it's Dolphins, ten, Bills, Bucks. I mean, that's a tough stretch right there. There's no five through twelve is extremely tough. But if I don't know, I'd look at it and go, man, if they're nine and three somehow, some miraculous way like that. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen either. I'm with you. But if they did, 
I'd probably stay with Jacoby Brissett. I would. And just go, okay, let's ride the hot hand. Deshaun Watson can practice. We know he can be. The, he's going to be the starting quarterback next year. But I, I think that would be a tough thing to do to your team to just throw a guy out there week 13 who hasn't played or practiced really the whole year. And now he's going to expect to be, whoa, I'll keep the playoff vibes going. Uh, that's putting Deshaun Watson in a really tough spot. And even actually making it, you know, maybe look worse. If it doesn't play well, you're going to go, whoa, $230 million guaranteed for that. Good job, Jimmy Haslam in Cleveland. Good luck getting Deshaun Watson to sign off on sitting the bench for his first game back in a return to Houston. That puts extra pressure it definitely does. on the Browns. Yes. Unless it's a no-brainer if they're 5 and 6, 4 and 7, 3 and 8, then it's easy. If they're on the right side of 500, it becomes a tougher question and it becomes a very delicate balance to get Deshaun Watson to sacrifice his opportunity not just to play but to play in Houston let's take a break we'll have more PFT live for you right after this well this is an interesting morning we were going to have a draft of the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year most likely to crash the party including the Denver Broncos who now have Russell Wilson Shefty reports that the Broncos and Wilson have reached an agreement on a five-year, $245 million extension. That's $49 million per year in new money for Russell Wilson. In all, it's seven years and $296 million when you factor in the two remaining years that he had. Here's the key, though. $165 million guaranteed. Not fully guaranteed. We know that game. Yeah. The reporters who get the heads up will never minimize the value of the deal by saying it's not 165 million fully guaranteed it's just guaranteed and there's a difference it's what's guaranteed at signing that's really important so the number is going to be even less than that i'm surprised two things i'm surprised wilson didn't get a fully guaranteed contract because the new owners in denver right can afford to put the money in escrow and number two no percentage of the salary cap he signed for seven years into the future and when you do 296 divided by 7, it's 45-ish, maybe. In a few years, that's a seven-year commitment. In a few years, that contract's not going to look very good, given the way the market's going, Chris. No, I, I, I hear you. It, it, it doesn't. But I think it's still one of those things. Like, we've talked about Lamar Jackson. He's going, wait, to have this in hand right now. And in case I got hurt, there's great security there for sure. You know, this is huge money regardless and probably a guy that's gone, wait, I've, I've made pretty good money to this point in my career, and I make a ton of money off the field, too, to where he goes, okay, you know, he's not, and again, I, I know it's his right, I'm not mad at him, but he's, you know, probably thinking about the team a little bit, going, I, I, I'd like to have Cortland Sutton here if he's balls out this year and shows that he's one of the, you know, top receivers in the game, Jerry Judy in the future. So maybe that's the aspect he's looking at. But, you know, not shocked to hear this, even though it kind of comes out of nowhere. He didn't hear any rumors that it was going to happen. We knew this was inevitable with what they traded for him, and there's just not a lot of quarterbacks in football that are like Russell Wilson. So you make this happen. And the question is, do you wait a year or do you do it now? And there's pros and cons. And right. from the Broncos' perspective, it's going to get more expensive next year if you get through a great season with Russell Wilson. From Wilson's perspective, if he would get injured or have a bad year, does he have less leverage? I don't know how much less leverage he has. They've already made the commitment to get him. 
As to the fully guaranteed contract, I, I'm surprised that there wasn't an insistence by Agent Mark Rogers, the Tom Hagen of the NFL, who has one client, a specialized practice. I have only one client, but that allows him to really push as hard as he can for that one client. I thought it would be a given he'd get a fully guaranteed deal. But you know what the flip side is? You got new ownership that just got approved. The last thing they want to do is piss off their partners. And we know that that would piss off the partners. That's right. That, that would be frowned upon yeah. to have another fully guaranteed contract. And you know who's going to send the Walton Penner group the biggest fruit basket and box of cigars is Steve Bashar. Ravens, right. Because now it makes it easier for him to hold firm and even more important for him to hold firm on not giving Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed deal. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. It is, you know. Uh, but still, that Deshaun Watson deal is there no matter what. And Lamar can hang on that. And Lamar can also go, you know. But it's I'm, harder to do it when you've got two now since then. Yeah. He, you know, once is an accident, twice is a trend. Right. Now you've got Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson who it have puts gotten pressure. contracts without it, – it, it, it makes it – without an agent, that's the problem. It may make it harder for the Ravens to get a deal done, Chris, because Lamar may say, I don't care what Russell Wilson did. Well, it could. I don't care what Kyler Murray did. I want what Deshaun Watson got. It puts pressure. I do – you know, I, I mean, we're just finding this out here in live time here, but it, it, as I think about it too, it puts, I think, actually more pressure on Lamar. You know, one, hey, the Kyler Murray deal, he can go, oh, so what? That's Kyler Murray. He hasn't done what I've done. He's not, he's not there in my class yet. All right. Russell Wilson, people are going to go, no, he is in your class. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's been damn good, right? I know he hasn't won an MVP like Lamar. Um, but he also wasn't an offense that was all about him either. So it, it, that's where – and then we know, we know that Lamar Jackson was offered more guaranteed money than this, than Russell Wilson. So that's, that is going to make, you know, the public opinions, talking heads go to Lamar, wait, what are you, what are you doing? You, you think you're better than Russell Wilson? Why this? Why that? And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Uh, I'm just saying I do think it's going to add a little fuel to the fire as far as Lamar's concerned. Yeah, I, I think it's going to make it harder, not easier for a deal to get done unless Lamar Jackson, remember we did this the other day, Lamar, go hire an agent. All the more reason to hire an agent. And you know what may have happened here? You've got what the agent would have wanted for Russell Wilson, but then you've got what the Broncos were willing to put on the table. At some point, you have to set aside what you want yeah. as the advocate, and you have to play the role of counselor and say to the client, you know what? It's a pretty good deal. Kind of hard to walk away from this. Yeah. You're already set for life. This is it. This is it, man. This is, this is the deal. And here's the reality. And Russell Wilson falls into this category. For most franchise quarterbacks, it doesn't matter if it's not fully guaranteed. They're still going to make the money. They're not getting cut. That's the key. No, no time Lamar soon. Lamar Jackson is the guy who's at the risk of of the team saying we have to move on because you're too banged up and you can't play anymore. Yeah. And maybe Russell Wilson, to get deeper into his 30s, that's going to be part of the challenge, but he's comfortable with that because most of the time with these big-money franchise contracts, Chris, the guy cashes every check. Yeah, no we doubt. we got to take a break. Yeah, we'll see. Go we gotta ahead. we take a break because we're almost out of time. we got to take a break. We'll wrap up the Thursday PFT Live right after this. A couple of other quick points as we digest the fact that Russell Wilson has this new deal worth $49 million per year in new money, $42.2 million per year from signing. Chris, one of the points you made 
the structure, and, and this is something to always remember as we're digesting these, the structure is going to be important. It could be, as you said, three years, and then he's back at the table based upon how the deal is structured. What are the cap numbers? What's the cash flow? What's the true guarantee? The devil is always in the details, and it's never in the interest of the information robots to share those details if they make the deal look less grand than it is. Yeah, right. I mean, as it looks right now, yeah, it's 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 you know over fifty million dollars in new or forty nine million dollars in new money. You did the average out where if you add the you know the extension, it's an extension, and we got two years left on the deal. It's really forty two million a year. But yeah, I look at it and go, wait, if if the total guarantee at signing is one fifty five or one sixty, we're talking then it's 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 a three year deal for fifty two, fifty three million dollars a year, and then he might go, hey, Walton family, you guys got ninety zillion dollars. I've been playing good. I want a new one, and I, I certainly could see that the po- being a possibility too. Well, and it all comes down on what they do and how they perform, That's how right. he performs, how the team performs. If he plays in his first three years, and if the team plays in his first three years in Denver the way it did his first three years in Seattle, they'll be diving into the Scrooge McDuck vault and finding some gold coins to give to Russell Wilson. Chris, I guarantee you that. Oh, definitely. I mean, yes, they will. I'm sure they got a safe just, safe just like you where they can just swim in gold and cash. Chris, I'll see you on the other side of Labor Day weekend. Everybody else will see you on Friday. See ya.